celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, my poor ailing team. Yeah, we're a mess, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. It is Animal Radio, and we have made it here to answer your questions about your pets today and to talk a little bit about your animals. And Lori has a a little bit of a cold. You're a little bit under the weather there. It's it's kind of a A upper respiratory thing. She's in We usually leave the newsroom door open. Uh, Today it is closed. uh, I'm in isolation. She is in isolation. And uh, poor Dr. Debbie recovering from some (laughs) foot surgery, too. Yeah, so I, I I totally can understand the mobility challenges of those that have real disabilities because it is it's a challenge to get out in the world and around. You know, I've had a little motorized scooter in some situations because I can't always get around with on my own two feet or one foot. Um, so I it's very eye opening. So I I it's a good thing I'm going through it and I'm learning a lot. <laughs> there you you have an appreciation for those that uh, don't always have their feet accessible. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what? You're going to love today's guests because I know when you were a little little girl growing up, you were into the animals and you used to dissect them and <laughs> collect bugs. <laughs> the, the dead ones, not the live ones. Yeah. <laughs> the dead ones. Well, we're going to talk to a guy and you may recognize him because uh, this actually happened a few years ago, but he turned his cat, he taxidermied his cat into a helicopter. Do you remember that, Dr. Debbie? No, I do not recall that, but that sounds crazy. Yeah, it is crazy, and (laughs) it gets crazier from there. He went through a little animal collecting phase, and we're going to find out about that coming up here on Animal Radio. Now, this is one of those polarizing topics. You know, people say, he turned this cat into a helicopter. Well, the cat was dead, okay? The cat was either going to be cremated or buried, and he wanted to pay tribute to his cat. So we'll find out about that coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Everyone's looking at me like so, just stunned. So there's an alternative. You don't have to just bury or cremate. There's a third choice. At least a third choice. <laughs> Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? I, something really cool. Looking at collecting litter, but doing it with birds. And, and in a very humane way. Collecting. So far as we know, but I'll tell you about it. Oh, I am. I'm, you know what? I'm going to stick around today just to hear that news there. What can we... Thank you. Uh, did you want to go to the phones, Judy? Yes. Okay. Uh, and th- we got one for Dr. Debbie? Yes, okay. we do. Let's okay. do it. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, hello there, Julie. How are you doing? I am fine, and I'm so happy that you're going to answer my question. Well, cool. Where are you calling from today? I am calling from Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. Oh, listening on WEEU. Yes, I am. So uh, what's going on? I have the whole team here. I have a cat who has suddenly lost all kinds of hair. Now, Mm, the thing is, she she seems normal in all other ways and uh, hasn't been exposed to fleas or ticks for years where the the skin is bare pretty much over the back and sides, and uh, the skin underneath looks absolutely normal, no redness, nothing, and the hair just disappears. I don't, I don't I'm not finding clumps or anything like that. Okay. Um, she doesn't, she's always licked herself a lot, but not, not back there, and then I thought, well, maybe she's rubbing against something, but then I don't think it would be down that far on the sides. Now, I'm starting to feel some little stubs which i assume means things are growing back 
I have okay. no idea what what could have caused this. Yeah, and welcome to the challenge of cat hair loss. <laughs> it is oh, okay. it is a bit of a puzzle, and it is something that um, there's a lot of different causes. Um, and the unfortunate thing is they do take some work to figure out what the specific cause is. So there's not just like I can say, um, try this drop or try this supplement, and it's going to fix things, because we have totally different treatment plans for the different causes, and some of them I'll just kind of highlight can be allergies, uh, food allergies or allergies to seasonal things. Even an indoor pet, an indoor cat can have this because they still breathe the same air that is outside, so allergens are outside. There's also indoor allergens. Um, Besides allergies, um, we see uh, different types of skin mites that are microscopic. Uh, Fleas, of course, um, and we know that fleas are a viable thing in your area in Pennsylvania. And the funny thing with cats is you you can't count on seeing fleas because they eat them. (laughs) So um, they're very fastidious groomers. So if a cat doesn't have fleas on them, I don't say, oh, you don't have fleas. I'd say it's still on the table. (laughs) Well, I have other cats, too, and I went through in the past you know, flea problems, and that's the first thing I start looking for. I, I don't know why we're so good this year. I'm knocking on wood. But this year and last, uh, they're not even outside. Mm, yeah, And there's also cats and dogs that have what we call flea allergy dermatitis. So it doesn't take a heavy infestation. It can take one flea that bites them. And the saliva is actually so, causes so much of a hypersensitivity that one flea bite sends them into um, an issue where they have hair loss, itching, etc. So like I said, I understand you're saying it doesn't sound like it's affecting the other cats, but it's still on the table. Um, but besides those kind of things, there's other things like uh, fungal infections like ringworm, we see systemic problems, hormonal issues involving the thyroid, cats that have diabetes. I've had cats with um, pain in the abdomen, like bladder infections um, or kidney problems that'll groom excessively in those kind of zones. Um, And there's a category of what we call psychogenic alopecia, which is basically we can't find the cause for (laughs) the cat to have this kind of problem. Um, And it's fortunately very un- um, uh, it's a small percentage, less than 10% of the cases of cats with this kind of problem. It's it's something that's more of a psychological issue. So we try to figure out those other things by doing some testing, and that would be where I would advise you to start off with is yeah, to see your vet. what testing would I ask for? Perfect question. I love that. Um, so we want to check for some of the things that are simple and easy to screen for. So we would want to do some parasite testing, and that would be by doing, I like to do a skin scraping where we take some samples from the skin. Sometimes we'll use a little tape as well to get some of the scale off the surface of the skin. Um, for cats, I like to do fecals too, because there are some parasites that we may not see on the surface of the skin, but we could see eggs in the stool because they eat fleas. We might see the actual flea eggs in the stool. Sometimes we even see mite eggs in the stool. So that would be the other thing. Um, and then we also sample the surface of the skin in a couple other ways. We can culture um, for what we call a dermatophyte culture which is abbreviated DTM, and that checks for ringworm. But your vet can also just look at some slides that they take of the surface of the skin and see if there's any evidence of other things like infection and so forth. And those are kind of like the basic things. After that, we get into more involved testing, you know, lab work, other things. But I think to figure out, we need to see your pet, um, look at the surface of the skin, and then um, kind of get get some guidelines where we're going to go. And you Um, said something about sometimes kidney stuff because she's she's not always the perfect lady 
Oh, she doesn't always use the litter pan. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that would be something to mention to your veterinarian and they may, may want to, you know, check a urine sample because that would be, you know, I've seen it. It's not probably, I'd say, the most common cause of why a cat would, you know, lose hair in their back end. Um, but it is, you know, it's it's definitely really rewarding once we find a problem like that and treat it. And then, you know, something as outwardly apparent as hair loss um, can improve after the, the problem would, is treated. Would blood work do anything? Yeah, um, um, I would probably do the skin samplings first, but blood work in a urine sample would be right after that. And then sometimes there's what we call empirical treatment. <laughs> so if, if, if I have someone that says, you know, doc, I've got like 200 bucks. Can you find me what you want to do? Um, I can't do everything you wish me to do, but can you maybe try some things? And, and there's often things we'll try, like sometimes putting a collar on so a pet doesn't chew themselves. Um, there's ways we approach food allergies by diet changes. Um, we may do flea treatment in a more aggressive fashion. We may do mite treatment, antibiotics. It just kind of really depends on your pet. But there are some things that if, you know, if you're any, anywhere in that gray zone where you say, hey, doc, you know, I need, I need to stay within a budget, I would communicate that and then make sure your veterinarian um, has some tools to try to help you in the short term while they're looking at those other tests. Oh, yeah, because I just had like a $350 bill on uh, question on treats because uh-huh. I'm trying to figure out did I of course she came in really poor shape but am I did I cause a problem by too much love she loves temptations if mm-hmm. she eats too many of those could that have worked on that well, not by itself, but, you know, any food, um, whether it's the diet or treats or anything else they ingest, you know, if they have a sensitivity to an ingredient, meaning like a food allergy, um, you know, it's going to make things worse. But it, I don't think that just a treat item would be something that would cause this on its own. So, no. Even but if she wants it, 20 a day? <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably, that probably not as likely to be the problem, but I, you know, as a veterinarian, I'm like, I would say portion control is really important. Okay. We're doing <laughs> so, that now, yes. Okay. okay. Well, now, if I'm feeling stubs, is that an indication that some of it's starting to grow back? Perhaps. Um, cats also get what we call miliary dermatitis, which is little small fine bumps that they get on their skin. So it would take kind of look in to see if it was the nubs growing in or if we're actually having some little um, dermatitis that's going on there. So, um, All right. Well, I yeah. thank you very much because, you know, of course, I was hoping you'd say, well, this will fix it, you know. I um, know. I wish. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, with her being okay in every other way, it was like, I don't understand this, and, you know, I, I want to help her, so yeah, I will yeah. take your advice, and we will go and uh, have some skin stuff done and urine, et cetera, and I thank you very, very much. Thanks, Julie. Okay. Take care Bye-bye. of yourself. Toll free, one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to reach out to the Dream Team. No, Dr. Debbie cannot heal your animal over the phone, but she can tell you, she can point you in the right direction. Well, don't you know this serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. I wish they had a human food. Can we ask them if they'll make Red Barn human food? Okay. For my optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. 
Friendly Magazine presents the 10th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Powered by Nissan, the tour travels from Los Angeles to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. Companion sponsors Tito's Vodka and Dog Legs join in the fun as media sponsor Animal Radio broadcasts the tour from September 8th to October 14th. Pet Box sponsor Paw Pack and pet insurance sponsor Embrace Pet Insurance support the tour along with advocate sponsors Buddy Belts, Pet Curian, Hands on Gloves, and Rolf C. Hagen. Attendees at each event stand in line to donate money and spin our giant spinning wheel filled with great prizes they can win. Provided by sponsors like Community Sponsors, Cosequin Joint Health Supplements, Petmate, Dexas, Senden, and Canaday, where all proceeds benefit the shelter at the end of the day. Log on to FidoFriendly.com and find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you might just find your new forever friend. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Dr. Jean Dodds. She's uh, She's been on the show a few times, hasn't she? Yes, she has. She, uh, she does something pretty cool. She has a company called Hemopet, and it's an animal blood bank. Wow. Banking the blood of your animals in case of an emergency. And uh, she's talking about vaccines. She's been doing that for a while. She's always been a proponent of vaccinations. A proponent for vaccination? Well, for the proper ones at the proper time, not on a regular schedule. Because that's like my biggest question. Am I giving my cat too many vaccinations? Yeah. I mean, you hear all of these things. But, you know, I don't want I don't want my cat to get sick, obviously. And obviously, there are certain vaccinations that you have to, by law, rabies in particular, give to your dogs. And I don't know if that's for cats, too. Is that for cats, too? Oh, sure. Yeah. Cats, dogs, and ferrets have to, at least in Nevada, have to have rabies vaccines. But, you know, the interesting thing is this is evolving. The whole topic of what vaccines that animals need, it, it has changed so much in just my short career of 20-some years <laughs> that when, when I first graduated, you know, it was different than what it is now. And we are talking about individualizing what uh, one specific pet's needs are based on their health, um, where you live, um, what their lifestyle is. Um, um, so that conversation, when you go to the vet, not, I'm not opposed to vaccine clinics, but I want to make sure if people go to get just vaccinations, that there's a discussion with a veterinarian. Maybe your pet doesn't need vaccines. I've been yelled at by people because saying, you know, your dog doesn't really need this distemper parvo vaccine anymore. And they argue with me and they get mad because they came in for that vaccine that day. And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> but that wouldn't have been what I told someone 20 years ago because, uh, you know, things have changed. and We've learned more about how long these vaccines can last in some situations. It used to be just black and white. Yep. Now everybody got the same thing. Shot yeah. in the butt. Everyone got the same stuff. So yeah, that is definitely changing. And I think we'll we'll know this is going to change even the next five to ten years from where we're at now. So Dr. Jean Dodds will be joining us in a few minutes, and we'll discuss this whole vaccination thing and get her take on it. Lori, what are you working on for this hour's news? Hal, I have found a list oh. of the richest pets in the world. That's on the way. Wow, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and some of these pets are self-made, you know, real pets, and some of them um, inherited their, their fortunes. Well, good for and they them. Are, yes, and they are more wealthy than we will ever dream of being, Hal. Oh, there you go. Uh, so if, if you're feeling down and out and broke, uh, keep listening, and uh, we'll yeah. find some pets that, you know, I think I would rather pets be the richest 
or animals be the richest in the world than some of the, the, the humans, the two-legged humans that are rich. Anyway, we have Scott on the phone. Hi, Scott. Yes, hello. How are you doing? Well, um, my dog doesn't have very bad fleas. I'm a truck driver, but I'd like to keep what fleas I can off of her. Did you say very bad fleas? Is that like being a little bit pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she does not have a very intensive infestation. As a matter of fact, I've never actually found a flea on her. But I found okay. flea leaving. Oh. So, but um, I tried the front line because I know okay. flea collars don't work where they're deadly. Okay. And she Good. had a severe allergic reaction, and we almost lost her. Holy cow! So she, so you're probably looking for some alternatives. I'm assuming things that you don't put on the skin. Is that correct? Exactly. Alrighty. Um, and and the, I guess the important thing that we got to talk about is that even if you only see the occasional flea, we got to remember that they only spend a very, very short period of time on the pet. So in your cab, you may very well have the flea eggs and other immature um, fleas I've in your environment. Never been well, they may prefer her, <laughs> but it's very easy for these little suckers to jump off into, you know, in other environments. So, but yeah, if you are traveling, you got to be prepared. There's always that potential for fleas. Um, plus, we also want to keep our babies comfortable because, you know, a lot of dogs, fleas can scratch the bejesus out of them. So one little flea bite really can set off that itch cycle for many weeks. So um, you're good to think about this. And if we can't go the topical route, um, some of the old standbys um, where we use flea combs and um, vacuuming um, the immediate environment. That is very helpful. Now, there are some other things, um, and I'm assuming you have a home base as well somewhere that, that you reside? Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't. I, I spend like two days a month there. So Okay. And so she's with you pretty much all that time then? Yeah, she's with me all the time. Okay. All right. So then we might be looking at more of these, um, the oral forms of flea control. And um, in my Las Vegas area, we don't have a tremendous need um, or calling for using some of these. But in a lot of areas of the country, they're very useful and they can have a very quick kill time on a lot of the fleas. And uh, it can be a way that we can try to treat her without um, going with that topical route if that's just, um, you know, not a, not a plus for her. Um, so. Yeah, there are some pills. Um, there's different brands. Um, there's one called Capstar, um, Com- Comfortis, which I can never say that right, um, Program and Sentinel. All of those are oral forms. They may have different mechanisms, how they work. Some are actually what we kind of call birth control for fleas, so the immature fleas can't reproduce and can't develop. Um, and other ones will be actually a quick kill, so they actually kill the fleas that are on the pet at that time. So that might be something. So, you know, and you've got a sensitive kid there so um you know i would make sure that we work with your veterinarian on that so we can find one that we have the best success and the least concerns of any kind of um, upset tummy or anything like that um even beyond some of the oral things you know the the hard thing is you're in a a truck environment so in a home environment we'll use some things and and i'm not a fan of using some of the herbal remedies the tea tree oils and that those can actually be quite toxic for animals but there are some different um, environmental sprays um, and even a, there's a product called Flea Busters, which is a, actually a powder that you put into the carpet. Um, it helps to kind of kill the fleas where they reside in the home environment. So food for thought there. <laughs> flea right, for thought. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for your call, Scott. Good luck with the flea battles. And uh, I think we'll all be looking forward to a cooler time this fall when fleas are less popular. Yeah. <laughs> this is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Give us a call. We are waiting for you at one 866 405 Eight four zero five.
This is Animal Radio, baby. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks. A French theme park has begun using six trained birds to pick up litter and cigarette butts around their property. It's kind of a big job for only six birds because this is a big park. It gets about two million visitors a year. So in order to keep the grounds clean, the park says it wants to try out a low-tech option. Hence, these birds, which, by the way, are rooks. And rooks are a member of the crow family. Under this new system, if the park's six rooks take a piece of trash to a special box that, you know, they've all been trained and stuff, this device will dispense bird food in exchange for the cigarette butt or the piece of litter. The educational theme park is hoping to show that nature can indeed teach us to take care of the environment. Now, it all sounds great, but... An expert on crows at Cornell Ornithology Lab, the premier bird lab in the U.S., uh, doesn't believe that this is possible. But still, the French Park is the first business in the world to test this method on a real large scale. So we will soon see if it works, and hopefully those birds won't be harmed by tobacco or nicotine. Mm, Wow, that's interesting. If this works, I think that's cool. But I know there's going to be people on either side of this. Crows are so smart, and if they're a member of the crow family, I, I think it's a. I think, in my humble non-Cornell ornithology lab opinion, yes, I think it's pretty cool too. Uh, pets are all part of our family, right? So much so that, according to a new survey, even if we found our perfect home and it wasn't right for our pets, though, we would pass on it. The survey for Realtor.com showed seventy-five percent of pet parents would say. No thank you to their dream home if it wasn't right for their pets. Younger buyers, by the way, were even more likely to forego their dream home if it wasn't suited for their pet, with nearly 80% of those who were under 55 years old saying they would pass on the house compared to 64% of buyers who are over the age of 55. Now, when asked to rank the most important features for these house hunters, 45% of them chose a large yard, like for pets. Uh, More than a third picked outdoor space. 33% of them wanted a garage. So when it comes to the usual list of the richest in the world, you think of humans, of course, right? But would you ever dream that a chicken or a dog could be linked to so much money? Uh, because according to the 2000 or 2018 richest pets list, there are some animals out there that are far richer than some humans are ever going to be. According to this list compiled by Compare the Markets Pet Insurance, a German shepherd whose name is Gunther Four, Gunther the Fourth, is the richest animal in the world worth over 375 million dollars now gunther lives in germany and and he inherited his wealth so uh you mean he didn't work for it he didn't work for (laughs) it no no um he inherited it he's he's got so much money though he's got a, a personal maid and a butler 
He eats steak and caviar and, in fact, has several uh, more than million-dollar homes. Uh, in second place, I know this is not going to surprise you, Grumpy Cat, who is worth about $99.5 million to date from all of her showbiz and marketing deals. Taylor Swift's cat, Olivia Benson. I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, but I guess she's done a lot of commercials, the cat, Olivia. And she is the third richest pet on the planet, worth about $97 million for her acting career. Oprah's five dogs. Five of them collectively worth $30 million, thanks to the trust fund that Oprah has set up for them. And at number five is Gigu, a chicken in the UK, who inherited her $15 million. But, um, you know, you said they didn't earn it. There are a couple of other self-made American pets, if you will, that did also make the top ten as Boo the Pomeranian came in at number nine on the list. Self-made dog, he's worth an estimated eight million from all of his branded merchandise and marketing deals. And uh, Bart the Brown Bear, we used to see probably like in you know the Grizzly Adams series in that. He was number ten on this list, worth about six million. Oh, good for them. Good. <laughs> I'm glad they are. I'm glad they're they're bloody rich because they're animals. Of- they deserve right. it. Yes. <coughs> oh, you poor girl. You poor, oh. poor girl. I know. Just keep that door closed, okay? <laughs> I know. Thank you, Hal. Achoo! <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. So make sure they're with you. Go grab them. Bring them around the radio. They like the show, too, from what I hear. (laughs) I hope they do. Judy, just a couple of days ago, you got your dog vaccinated. I got her rabies. It was her rabies? Yes. She's always just a little lethargic after that. She did pretty well this time. I think uh, before we did, like, multiple vaccinations, and this time we just did the rabies. Do you ever worry about that? Yes, I do. I really don't like to, but, you know, according to the laws around here, I have to do that to keep her her dog license. Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's the same in the human world. In the human world, uh, we always, we don't get the rabies. I haven't had my, I'm not up to date with my rabies. <laughs> but we, we're always worried about vaccinations. Kids have to be vaccinated to start school. And are they good or are they troublemakers? Yeah. yeah. So we have on the phone with us Dr. Jean Dodd. She's the founder of Hemopet and Animal Blood Bank, and she also is considered one of the foremost vet experts on vaccines. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so let's get down to brass and taxes. What vaccinations do we really, 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 really need? (laughs) The same question, as you pointed out, applies to ourselves as well as to the companion animals, wildlife, and livestock that we share our world with. Um, As far as dogs and cats are concerned, it's very important that the kitten and the puppy receive the appropriate vaccination series when they're young. 
Okay. So the first point about that is not to give them too young because their immune system's not ready to get that onslaught. Remember, vaccines are not just the vaccine thing you're protecting against, but they also have what we call excipients, fetal calf serum, tissue culture remnants, et cetera, et cetera. So you're giving basically a mixture of materials when you vaccinate. So don't want to give them too young. And you don't want to give them when maternal immunity from the mother's colostrum milk, you know, the first milk when they're born, mm-hmm. um, because that's going to neutralize the vaccine. And so the person thinks their animal's been protected when it may not have been properly vaccinated at all. Okay. So appropriately spaced vaccines when they're puppies and kittens. Then a year later, you do a titer. You measure the serum level of antibody in the blood. That's one option. And we have to ask our vet to do that because I don't remember our vet ever actually offering that to us. Well, that's changed. Um, In the last 10 years, we are required by the policies in North America and most of the world, the World Small Animal Veterinary Association, by informed consent to ask the client if they would like to have a booster, a deferral, or a titer. Please explain what a titer is. Okay, a titer is a measurement of the amount of antibody in the blood of the individual, whether it's a human or an animal. And if the antibody level in the blood is sufficient to cause protection against the disease, that animal or person does not need to have a booster. Mm. Rabies vaccines are the only exception. And for dogs Ah. and cats throughout North America and most of the world, vaccines for rabies are required. Titers are not acceptable in any country of the world yet except for export. So you can't do titers, but you have to have by law two rabies vaccines given within the first 12 months of each other. And the first one has to be done before 24 weeks, six months of age. There's a second issue. All but two of the currently licensed canine rabies vaccines contain thimerosal, which is mercury. We do not want to put mercury into the body, certainly not of young animals, and certainly never, okay? Remember, we've taken it out of fillings in our teeth. We don't want mercury in there. So you have to be sure that the veterinary clinic that is giving the rabies vaccine carries one of the two commercial vaccines that are called thimerosal TF-free. Thimerosal free, TF. And there are only two. So let me make sure I have this straight here. Uh, we want to give them their distemper and their parvo, not mm-hmm. too early, not too late, so about nine or ten weeks of age is what you're saying? Correct. And then uh, we have to give them the rabies. That's usually by law, and we should wait till they're at least 20 weeks old for that. That's also correct. Now, just remember, if you're in the face of a parvovirus epidemic, uh-huh. and that happens every spring and fall and summertime, You can give a single parvo only to a puppy if you're not sure about the immunity at six weeks. We're going to take a quick break. Dr. Debbie, did you have questions? Well, you know, I um, you know, I think talking about rabies, distemper, and parvo, and feline panleukopenia is kind of all clear. But what about you know, when we're talking about you know more of the bac- bacterins, you know, the leptospirosis, um, uh, you know, Lyme disease? Right. Do you want to take a break, or do you want me to answer that now? Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Dr. Jean Dodd right here on Animal Radio. Stick around. This is Animal Radio.
Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. The five best-selling cars in America, what are they? At number five, it is the Toyota RAV4. It comes in a full gasoline or hybrid version, and a new version hits showrooms later this year. At number four, Nissan have the Rogue. It has pro-pilot assist and great gas mileage. At number three, the Ram 1500 pickup, which is all new this fall. A Chevrolet Silverado is at the number two position, and number one has been the same for 37 years, the Ford F-150 pickup. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. When it comes to giving our animals vaccinations, all of us, or at least most people that I know, are a little bit trepidatious about it. They don't know if it's something good, if they have to do it, or if it could cause problems down the line. And that's why we have Dr. Jean Dodds, the founder of Hemopet, which is an animal blood bank. And she's also one of the foremost veterinary experts on vaccinosis and vaccines. Uh, Dr. Debbie, just before the break, you had a question. Go ahead. Um, well, we're talking. She was talking about titers for certain diseases um, when we administer a modified live vaccine. For other vaccines that are more bacterial in nature, the duration of protection is much shorter. Um, and uh, most of those, if I'm correct, it's once a year on the annual vaccination, and you can't do titers on those. So, how, how do you advise for those types of diseases in at-risk areas? Okay, well, first of all, the national organizations in our profession have what they call core vaccines, and then they have non-core, which are optional vaccines, and many of those depend, as you know, Debbie, on where you live. So, for example, Lyme disease is more common in certain parts of the East Coast and in some parts of the Northwest. So in areas where these diseases are not important, we don't recommend vaccinating for them because it's not, it's not critical. Um, you can do all kinds of testing to see whether the animals have been exposed to Lyme disease, for example, or whether the titers are good. When you come to leptospirosis, it's a zoonotic disease, which means that people and other mammals can catch it. So therefore, it's a reportable disease. The problem is leptospirosis is not a common clinical entity, except in certain parts around, say, the Great Lakes, some areas of the Northeast, some areas of the Northwest. We don't have it, for example, in Southern California. The problem with leptospirosis is there are 200 serovar strains, of which we can only test antibody levels in seven, typically, the seven important ones. But the current vaccines for the dog only have four strains of lepto in there. So if the strains of leptospirosis that have been reported by the public health agencies in your region are a strain that's not in the vaccine, giving the vaccine won't help at all. There's not a cross-protection on that? Very little cross-protection from Leptospira autumnalis and Leptospira bratislava, basically none. Um, not, not enough to give you any comfort. And I got an email just this morning, Debbie, from a client whose veterinarian told them they're in Florida, South Florida, that they had to vaccinate for leptospirosis because if their puppy went out and licked a puddle, it could die of this fatal disease. Now, you know, hysteria doesn't make any sense. The public doesn't understand that. And nor should we as veterinarians actually frighten people. We need to talk to them about the, the um, exposure risk in the area they live in. Now, 
what about hepatitis? And that's a very important issue because hepatitis, uh, that's adenovirus 1, but we have no vaccines for that anymore because they produce blue eyes. So what we have is adenovirus 2, which is part of the Kennelkoff complex. And adenovirus 2 vaccines are used to cross-protect against infectious canine hepatitis. But we, and it's in the core. However, we've had no clinical cases for 15 years in North America. One individual case only. No cases. So why are we vaccinating something that can cause significant adverse reactions when we don't have the disease? But if you give Bordetella vaccines, not that I'm recommending them, by the oral preferred over the intranasal route, that will stimulate interferon, a natural immunity in the individual that's vaccinated, the puppy. So oral Bordetella stimulates interferon in the puppy, and that protects against adenovirus 2 and the other upper respiratory viruses like parainfluenza, like even influenza. And so you end up getting cross-protection against hepatitis from the core by giving oral Bordetella. What about influenza? It's ubiquitous everywhere in the country. All crowded areas have this highly um, contagious uh, two viruses, strains uh, N2 and N8. Why are we vaccinating for it? Do we vaccinate ourselves every time we have the cold or a flu? No, only certain populations at specific risk are vaccinated. Mm. And I feel the same way about that today for the dog. Mm. You talk about two different kinds of uh, vaccines, one that has the, the long pokey thing that I just always turn my head when they do that. And then you have the nasal one. I guess it's squirted up their nose like a spray. Is one more effective or safer than the other? No, no, we're just talking about intranasal. I don't okay. recommend it. I okay. recommend the oral one. Let me tell you the problem with intranasal. Okay. When you spray it up the nose, it puts vaccines stuff all around the face of the individual and any other animal or person standing nearby. Oh, oh, okay. Think about the eyes. Think about blinking. Think about the exposure to that. If you give it orally, it's much less likely to spray around the area and will just immunize that individual. And so oral vaccines that are available are the way to go if you believe they're important clinically um, to protect an animal against the kennel cough complex, for example. Mm. I know there's all kinds of things that can happen with vaccines. Uh, we had a cat after his vaccine had a bump where the vaccine was. I understand there's such thing as vaccine-induced sarcomas. What else can happen with a vaccine? Well, the vaccine sarcoma is a tumor at the injection site, and yes, it can occur in the cat, first recognized in the cat. It also occurs in the dog, and believe it or not, when the first paper showing the same thing occurred in the dog, I mean, why not? It should, right? Um, it couldn't even be published in North America. They had to publish it um, in Europe because nobody in North America wanted to deal with this potential risk for producing a tumor at the injection site. But the injection site can also have a granuloma, so that's a reaction almost to the irritation of having some of the materials in the what I call toxic tissue culture soup put into a particular part of the body. Dr. Dodds, do you have a website if people want to learn more? Yes, www.hemopet.org and www.rabieschallengefund.org. And, of course, we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Dr. Dodds, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. Bye now. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome back. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team with your questions about your pets. Don't forget, if you're out and about right now, shopping, whatever, you can always ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry at your convenience. When you're done shopping, you you can ask about your, your cat's constant itching. A lot of cats are itching this time of year. It it's seems like there's so, allergies and all yeah. kinds cats of... Cats and dogs, everyone is, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're talking fleas, ticks, what have you, allergies, you know, pretty much anywhere in the U.S., we fight these. Okay, so we'll hopefully help you with those questions. Coming up this hour is Bart Jansen. And now Bart, good old Bart, he created... <laughs> and you may what remember... What do you say about Bart? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bart. <laughs> in 2012, his cat, Orville, named after Orville Wright, the uh, famous... Uh, Wright Brothers. Invented, yeah. The Wright Brothers, yes. Right. Uh, was unfortunately hit by a car. And instead of burying his cat or cremating his cat or turning him into a diamond, which you can do these days, there's a lot of ways you can tribute your animals. He tributed his cat, Orville, named after Orville Wright, <laughs> the Wright Brothers. He made his cat into a helicopter. He, he taxidermied. Yeah, he, he taxidermied the cat, and then he put little helicopter uh, propellers on top of each of the legs. It looks like a drone. Here, I'll hold up the picture. I, wow. I, I just can't imagine seeing this going through the neighborhood <laughs> and having people freaking out about, like, you know, super cat flying around. <laughs> I, I want to know what other animals think about it. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm so glad he's not my neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's a strange character. He lives in the yeah. Netherlands. Is that yes. where we'll be calling? Is the yeah. Netherlands? And uh, we'll find out. Now, of course, this has caused a lot of controversy. There's a lot of people who say, "Oh, this is just absolutely blasphemous." But let me say, I remember Orville. I never even knew Orville before he was a helicopter. And now I remember him as a helicopter. Yes, we all know Orville now. <laughs> so certainly his tribute has worked. And we're going to find out a little bit about what's on his mind. So prep yourself for that, okay? Uh, let's see. And we're going to take your calls before that happens. Toll free at one 405 8405 Also a news at the bottom of the hour with Lori Brooks. Our Miss Brooks, what do you have for this uh-huh. hour? I feel like we should be playing Family Feud. Okay. Um, We're going to find out what percentage of those of us would say that if they didn't talk to their pet, they wouldn't talk to anybody all day long. Uh, Me, 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 me. Yeah. But how many others are like this? That's coming up in just a few minutes. Let's hit the phones. Hi, Candice. How are you? Good. How are you today? Very good. Where are you? I am in uh, East Coast. Florida. East Co- beautiful East Coast, Florida. How can we help you? Dr. Debbie's right here if you have a vet medical well, hi. question. Hi. 
Hello. Actually, it's not necessarily a veterinarian question. It's just uh, concerning cats in general. Um, I don't have one right now. Mine has passed on last year after about 13 years, I, I guess. It, it was about 13 years. And my mm-hmm. kids, of course, are wanting a new kitten, even though they didn't necessarily bond with the old cat because, as, as you know how cats can be, they're either your best lovable friend or they could care less whether you even lived with them or not. I hear you, sister. I'm just wondering about that. You know, I'm, I have a dog, and I'm really happy with just having the dog now that the cat's not with me any longer, but my cat wasn't overly friendly, very friendly with the family, but no outsiders, run and hide, you know, scared when the doorbell rings or anything like that, and I just, you know, my cat started out real friendly, happy little kitten, little domestic short-haired, you know, uh, the uh, Humane Society little orange tabby. I thought, okay, this is this is going to make all the difference. It's going to mm-hmm. be friendly and happy and for its lifelong, and it didn't turn out that way. And I just wondered, you know, what makes the cat be overly friendly and outgoing and lovable to everyone, or the skittish one that just wants to run under the bed at any a drop of a hat. I, right. I'm just not sure what makes that difference. That's a that, really good question, too. They didn't know it, it is. It is. It is, and definitely because there, there's a lot to that. Because the first thing is that some cats are just not going to be buddy buddy cat dogs, as I like to call them. You know, there are some cats that are like act more of, as a dog. They seek out human companionship. They like to sit yeah. on your lap. They retrieve exactly. things. You know, and that's a, a very you know, it's a it's a rare cat that does that. You know, and I think for your setting, the first thing we got to look at is really. You know, if you're happy with dogs and the way that dogs respond to humans, um, it might be a stretch in some situations to ask a cat to behave that way, uh, unless you're yeah. when the cat dogs is what I call them. So, uh, <laughs> so I would say that the biggest thing is, you know, if you're looking at a cat and you say, yeah, I really want a cat, you know, I want a cat, but I'm hoping to find one that just may be a little more gregarious, um, there's some tips I would have for you. And okay. when you're actually, you know, seeing a litter or you're seeing a group of cats or kittens, um, there's some things I look for. And the first thing I look for is a, a kitten that is eager to come towards people, that is that wants to be around a human. Um, if they are happy playing and doing their own little thing and there's really no interest in the human um, in the room, you know what, not to say that's going to be a bad cat, but you're you're looking for something right. specific. So you are really looking for that cat that has a desire to please people and wants to be around okay. them. So that's one thing as I study, and I made a, I made this mistake myself with my first cat. I picked the, the most active jumping cat. He was all over the place. And he was a very aggressive cat to other people, not to me. But, um, you know, I at that point, I did not know. I thought I was picking the healthiest, the most active one. And he was actually hyper. And <laughs> it was a right. different turnout for me. So, yeah, that would be a big okay. thing. Now, the, the other thing that is, I like to watch kittens or, you know, even with dogs, we use these same things. If you're looking for a personality, 
I look to see how they respond to noise or other types of stimuli in their environment. You know, if a book falls on the floor, what happens? Um, do, is there a cat that goes, hey, what is that? I'm going to check that out. Yeah. If you're looking for a cat that isn't timid and doesn't like, you know, hide under things, you know, you want to see and kind of just test with mild stimuli. We don't want to, you know, scare them to death, but sure. just see how a kitten reacts with that kind of thing. And, and that might give you some maybe decision-making uh, tools there to find a kitty that fits that uh is that that peg a little bit better once you pick the cat is there anything that you can do to maintain that to to, to keep it coming out and being friendly any kind of socializing no. you can do absolutely i mean praise food rewards anything positive with the human being the source of that and this is where a lot of times you know cats are free feeders but if we actually reward them with food you know we're actually rewarding them for tolerating the human presence <laughs> so that's a yeah. great thing so all yeah. of that and then yes and raising a kitty you know in a quiet comfortable home you know if there's a lot going on and there's a lot of noise sometimes that can drive a kit cat to be a little bit more exclusive because their response is to run into hide um, so it takes a special training to make sure we don't scare them too much with some of these stimuli get them used to being around an active busy household and um, you know make it a pleasant thing along the way Sure. Well, that's uh, a lot of tips. I appreciate that. Fingers crossed for you. I know that uh, that uh, Nike is our studio cat, who is one of, as as Debbie talks about, is one of those cat dogs. Is that what you referred to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and plays with uh, the dog that we have the here. The dog, yes. Yeah. So there, it can happen. I, I like that. I mean, even the cat that I no longer have. Uh, he got along well with my dog, and I have a, a Sharpay, which is 50 pounds. Wow. And, but mm-hmm. Sharpay, mine in particular, is very calm. You know, they're not real rowdy dogs. They're quiet. They don't bark much and all that. But my, my cat, you know, they'd rub against each other, and they were fine. But if that doorbell rang or someone comes barreling in the front door, that cat would run. We'd have guests come stay with us four or five days. They'd see the litter pan. You have a cat? <laughs> oh, yes, I've had a cat for 10 years. Can you believe it? It's just the strangest thing. I don't I don't know. Well, Candace, it's funny let, how cats are. Let us know how it turns out, will you? Okay, I appreciate your help. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Radio. 1-866-405-8405 to talk to any one of the Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Last week, I promised to tell you what dogs need the most and that it wasn't love. The first is something we call socialization. So from the time he's a little puppy, make sure to bring him around as many people and as many different dogs as you possibly can and put him in as many different situations as you can. Take him on walks, take him to the dog park so that he comes in contact with many different people, kids, and other dogs. This will help you raise a calm, secure, confident dog. <laughs> Number two on the list, my neighbor Jason's dog sitting. He'll help illustrate. Jason, are you scared of that dog? Uh, do you have any proof of that, Ruby? It's okay, buddy. Just tell me what he's doing. He like, growled really sharply and like, like he jumped. Well, that leads into the second most important thing dogs need. They need a strong, confident leader. They need structure because they're pack animals. And dogs instinctively know that the only way they're going to survive is in a pack. And they want to know their place in the pack. So every now and then, you're 
dog's going to challenge you like this one's challenging Jason. And that's because the pack hierarchy never stays the same. So once in a while, your dog's going to try to redefine it, find his place in the pack again. This dog's pack is left, and because of that, the dog is testing Jason. And it's up to him to be strong, confident, and assertive, letting the dog know he's in charge. In your house, the humans have to be in charge, and the rules have to be the same for everybody. That means if your dog's not allowed on furniture, nobody in your pack can let the dog on furniture. It confuses them, makes them anxious. All the rules have to be the same, and all the humans have to be in charge. He jumped to the kids <laughs> on, the, on my head. He's decided he's in charge, Jason. He's the pack leader. To change this, never let your dog walk in the house first. Don't let him pull you on a leash. He should always be walking at your side, maybe a little bit behind you. Be in charge of his food and ask him to sit before you put it on the floor. And don't let him have at it until you say it's okay and give him a signal. I'm not that way with dogs. <laughs> well, you need to learn how to do that, buddy. It's, it's simple. You I don't have a dog. Well, you don't need a dog. You just have to speak dog. I'm going to go over to the neighbor's house and help Jason out. Next time, we'll talk about leash training and corrections. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618 That's 888-785-0618 And now an Animal Radio News Brief. I'm Stacey Cohen for Animal Radio. This is a scary story, and I don't know how this man was able to do it. He was in Canada, and he claims that he grabbed a bear's tongue, but it may have actually saved his life. Giles Sear said he was walking through the woods near Grand Falls, New Brunswick, when this black bear attacked him. He said it was on top of him before he knew it, with a mouthful of teeth wide open in front of his face. He instinctively grabbed the bear's tongue, thinking, if you're going to hurt me, I'm going to hurt you too. He managed to escape the struggle and then hide behind a tree, but not before he suffered some scratches on his stomach and a bite wound on his knee. He was treated for superficial wounds at a nearby hospital. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at AnimalRadio.pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We are about 10 minutes away from a check of our news from the newsroom. And Lori Brooks, what are you working on for this hour? 
Well, you know how we've talked before about pets and the opioid epidemic and um, about how, for example, uh, pet owners might be mm, not being so... Go ahead and say it. They're hurting their pets for opioids. They're drug-seeking. Yeah. One state has actually done a study on this, so we can now put a number to what one state thinks, how, uh, what percentage of people uh, in their population are doing this to their pets. Okay, this is this is very distressing news for me. Do you have anybody that comes to your clinic looking for opioids uh, for themselves? And I, I've never had anyone hurt their pet that I know of, but I've had some individuals um, excessively fill medicine, and um, it led to a couple changes in our office. I can tell you, and it's just kind of how we deal with it. I um, I don't carry a lot of uh, opioids for outpatient use. So I actually script those to an outside pharmacy. Okay. And then they're under the observation of the DEA. So it kind of takes that um, kind of off of my shelf and then it is supervised by the federal authorities. So if they were doing that and they're also buying it for themselves, that would kind of flag. Yeah. So do you have anybody that while they're not harming their pet, they may be taking their medicine and all of a sudden you know, they, they forgot their medicine elsewhere, left it or dropped it or, you know, need to get it refilled ASAP? Uh, you know, I think some of those situations give them benefit of the doubt. But there are some times over the years where I've had someone come in before that prescription should have run out and they're already refilling it. And those are the ones that I usually say, you know what, I can fill this. And then when you put it through an outside pharmacy, um, they will not refill it before that time. Um, they say, sorry, you know, so, but if you go to your veterinarian, you know, you, you may have a sob story one week, the next week, another. Um, so there, it, you know, that's, but that's just how, like, I found um, to stay on top of that and not become part of that cycle. More on that in just a couple of minutes with Lori Brooks at the bottom of this hour with our news. We do that at the bottom of each hour. Now, we are very delighted to be a proud supporter of the Fido-Friendly Get Your Licks on Route 66 Adoption Tour. This is a tour that goes all across the country, adopting animals. And we have our very own Susan Sims on the phone checking in from the, the starting location in Los Angeles, California. Hi, Susan. How's it going so far? Oh, it's going great. I want to thank you for having us on. And uh, we had the best time. Of course, there's always a lot of activity at the LA kickoff because Brandon McMillan from Lucky Dog is uh, signing autographs and just a lot of activity and a lot of new pet parents with the smile on your face that is priceless. Mm, Okay, so you're heading out of LA this week and you're heading to Arizona, I take it? We are, and uh, we're going to actually work with the Sedona Humane Society this year, which is, if you've ever been to Sedona with the red rock and the the beauty that is Sedona, it just takes your breath away, and we're really excited about that, and uh, we're going to be hosted at uh, Sedona Real. Now, this this property, I just want to throw a plug in for them because uh, they host us uh, while we're there to work these events, and this is the only place I've ever been that is a phytofriendly property that has an on-site dog park. Wow. Oh, you got to love and it's, that. Jeez. It's a big dog park. I'm telling you, it's probably a third of an acre, and it's so well manicured uh, and fenced in, and it's you, uh, it's, a, it's amazing. that They're truly animal lovers. So we're really fortunate we get to park ourselves there for a couple of days and uh get up early and, and get down to the Humane Society of Sedona and uh, set up our spinning wheel and raise some money. and uh, Tell and listeners what that's get... all about again. Oh, the spinning wheel. That's like the most fun. It is. So it, it's like one thing to, to take this dog and pony show or dog and dog 
show <laughs> on the road. But but once people get there, you know, how do you interact with people and make it a fun event? And and uh, our sponsors are responsible for helping make that happen, and they provide product that when an attendee will stand in line and they donate money, they'll spin and they win uh, whatever they land on, which is really, really neat. Like Charlie Bear, they're one of the spinning wheel sponsors. And so everybody that's ever had dogs have a Charlie Bear, they absolutely love it. So we have a lot of fun doing that. And at the end of the day, any proceeds that uh, uh, happen from the spinning wheel will uh, benefit the shelter that day. Okay. So Sedona, Arizona next week, and then on the 15th, you'll be in Albuquerque, Santa Fe the 16th. If you want to find out when the Vital Friendly Tour hits your city, head on over to phytofriendly.com and hit the badge that says, get your licks on Route 66. And uh, go get your licks. <laughs> and a new dog. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and a new dog or a cat. We're an equal opportunity pet adoption event. Oh, I love it. Okay, once again, if you're in the L.A. area, we're at the L.A. Animal Shelter at 14409 Van Owen Street in Van Nuys. Okay, coming up after the news, the guest we've all been waiting for, Bart Jansen, the guy who made a helicopter out of his deceased kitty. Okay, so whether or not you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, stick around, because this guy is one class act. Hi, I'm Jessica Alba, entrepreneur and mom. When it comes to helping students succeed, I'm all in. And so is Staples. That's why I'm teaming up with Staples for Students and DonorsChoose.org, the charity that helps teachers bring learning to life. Join us by donating in store or online at staplesforstudents.com. Your donation will help local teachers make a difference for their students because every kid deserves a great start this school year. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, even pets are not immune to the dangers of the opioid epidemic. Researchers at the University of Colorado, they recently conducted a survey of nearly 200 veterinarians in that state. It was all about how opioid abusers may be using vet clinics to get drugs. Well, the results revealed that 13% of veterinarians in the state believe or have suspected that they have seen a client who purposefully injured their pet, made their pet sick or appear to be sick, just so they could get an opioid prescription. So far, though, even if the American Veterinary Medical Association considers reporting suspected animal abuse to be a responsibility of a veterinarian, only 17 states do have mandatory reporting laws. What is a week in the news without another study on the benefits of having pets, right? Uh, Because we know there are so many benefits. Well, this one study was done for a home builder in the UK, and it found that pet parents are not only healthier than those who don't have pets, but they also make more money, an extra $5,200 a year more. Now, Dog owners, they found, are more likely to exercise even on cold and rainy days because they know their dog needs a walk. And so pet owners are often more physically active, and that they found to be especially true among elderly people. Now, the elderly really benefited from this study because um, pet ownership also, they found, coincided with a higher likelihood of being married, having children, and higher levels of job satisfaction. 
Uh, don't worry, the elderly are coming up here. Now, people who had pets were more likely to talk to their pet, and uh, which they say had a beneficial impact with 16% of those surveyed. Uh, they were elderly, saying they wouldn't talk to anyone during the day if they did not have a pet. Now, Instagram has a real-life Garfield. Remember Garfield, the comic? I think Garfield's still around. I think he is. This cat's name is Bronson, and he was recently adopted from the West Michigan Humane Society. Now, not only is Bronson polydactyl, meaning he has thumbs or an extra little paw toe, uh, he's also tipping the scales at nearly 30 pounds. The three-year-old landed himself a perfect home, though, with a couple who designs wall-mounted cat furniture. Um, Now, they were happy, they say, when they heard about Bronson to give him a new home in order to help him lead a a happier, healthier, more active life. And other than his large physique, believe it or not, Bronson has no other health problems. So getting that extra weight off of him now is important. His new mom and dad say they are aiming for him to lose a half a pound a month. Remember, weight loss on cats is to be done slow. He's on a 375-calorie-a-day diet now. And if you'd like to check out this big, cutie boy, Bronson's Journey is on Instagram. You can search for the handle, I am Bronson Cat. 375 calories a day, you just can breathe that pretty much, can't you? I mean, that's that's not a lot of calories. Well, if you're 30 pounds, it is. If you're a cat, that's that's ample calories. It is, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Good yeah. to know. Um, if you're skinny like Hal, then you probably need about 2,500 a day, maybe. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Maya Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. But this is is so very important here. We're going to talk with Bart Jansen. I believe we're calling the Netherlands. Hi, Bart. How are you doing? Hi, hi. Good, thanks. What what time is it you there? Are, oh, it's uh, it's about uh, 9 o'clock at night. 9 o'clock at night. Okay. What are you doing? Wow. Set the scene right now. Oh, well, you know, you know, I'm refurbishing the house. So uh, I, I was doing all kinds of, you know, angle grinding and, you know, making doors and things like that. Oh, man stuff. <laughs> so you, you're not yeah. in your PJs? <laughs> no, no, not yet, no. So I want to learn a little bit about Orville. Now, Orville, yeah. I actually know all about Orville, but I want to bring listeners up to date. This goes back to, I believe, 2012. Orville, uh, yeah. he was your kitty, is that correct? Yeah, he was my cat. I had two. And and Orville, Orville and, and his brother, Wilbur, were both named after uh, the, the Wright brothers. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I got I got a famous pair of brothers in the house. So we we had this huge mouse problem, and I decided for two cats and um uh, they came as brothers so i thought okay I, I started googling famous brother pairs and i, I thought oh well let's do the right brothers oh. and then and then all of a sudden they were named after aviators and orville unfortunately was hit by a car is that correct yeah 
Yeah, he was when he was about five, I think. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. So uh, rather than burying him or cremating him, you came up with kind of a novel idea to, uh, I guess, uh, celebrate his life? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Or at least make a point out of the fact that he went too early. Tell listeners what you did. What I did, um, and I might have to add that when I was a young boy, I used to collect everything I would find walking through the fields and the forest. And I, I always came home with bits of dead animals because I was completely interested in all the biology of it all, even when it smelled. Um, <laughs> so at some point, um, uh, I started after the, the, the art academy, I started doing this project and it was called... Um, uh, oh, John, Jara, darn it. It's, it's a long time ago. Um, it was this book. It was about roadkill. I figured I, I put roadkill in a book and not as pictures because I didn't have to make pictures because they were already so flat. They could just fit as a page. So it was a completely cynical uh, uh, book. <laughs> it's a very, it's got to be a heavy book. It's quite heavy as well. A, a roadkill um, scrapbook is what you. Uh, yeah, it's like a roadkill scrapbook. And, okay. And because if you if you start stacking cats onto uh, uh, squirrels onto hedgehogs, it, it, you know it's, it, the pile gets a little bit wobbly. So sure. I put them in in wooden pages, and so it was an actual book with like a steel ring through it, and you could flip the page like cat. You know, magpie, uh, all these animals, <laughs> and yeah, it was, it, of course, and it smelled. It was really bad because it was only crudely taxidermied, just the way I found it. Oh. Um, so it was a nasty project. I'd been collecting dead animals for three months. You know, and just after that was finished, I think no, not just after. It's a couple of years later. Um, my own cat got killed by a car. <laughs> yes, the aforementioned uh, uh, Orville. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. Yes, it's ironic. But he wasn't flat, though. He was. He was. You, you could hardly see that he was hit. But he was not with us anymore. Mm -hmm. um, oh. So I decided not to put him into a book. Into the book, um, there was already a cat in there, and um, so I decided to um, to wait for a little bit. So I, I got this freezer for all the all the roadkill that I found anyway. And I put it in there for a bit. No, actually, I just put it in the normal freezer for a while <laughs> until my girlfriend said, Bart, it's about time you get rid of that thing. Yeah, uh, yeah the lean cuisines are tasting funky. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was about a year that it all of a sudden hit me. He was an aviator. He's all right. He needs to fly. Ah. Uh -huh. there's, there's no other thing I can do. I have to make him fly. So um, and then Orville, my dear little cat, turned into a project. How the hell was going to do that? Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so now he looks like a feline drone. I mean, he's been taxidermied, and he has uh, helicopter uh, 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 propeller blades on all four legs of his yeah. and he sort of lays flat now i remember when this first came out i was uh, i was shocked <laughs> and, and yeah. then when when i heard that Sorry. you know it was sort of a tribute i was it's kind of cool i thought it was kind of a cool yeah. tribute i i bet you got a lot of guff for it didn't you i did i did uh, i i could not imagine beforehand that that would happen i was like i'm just making a tribute for my cat um and then I got all every, you know, every cat lover in the world all of a sudden just stood in my backyard yelling at me. But that was never meant 
for it to happen. I was just making a tribute. And I think I did rather a well job because yeah. um, everybody bloody knows the cat now. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. There's, there's uh, you know, if you had just cremated or buried the cat, uh, uh, people would have forgotten about the cat. But now uh, Orville lives forever. He's living forever. And he's still with us. Every now and then we just, uh, you know, like you walk the dog, you fly the cat. Um, so we it, get invited to festivals during summer and things like that. You know what? It's it's. I wish this was TV. We got to take a quick break. I wish this was TV so you could see all the looks in the studio right now. <laughs> Dumbfounded. Uh, you didn't stop with Orville, and uh, we're going to find out in just a couple of minutes. We're gonna, we're with Bart Jansen. He has uh, turned his cat Orville into a drone. You may have seen this. This actually happened in 2012, and there's other animals that he's done since. We'll find out what they are when we come back. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and adopt from your local shelter. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to Geico. I should have done this years ago. Disclaimer, traveling back in time is physically impossible unless you know how to build a functioning time machine. Then by all means, travel 25 years back in time, switch your car insurance to GEICO. You could save a bunch of money. While you're there, please prevent your younger self from wearing that sleeveless tuxedo t-shirt, parachute pants, and glitter high tops to your senior prom. And at long last, rectify this horrible crime against nature. GEICO is absolved of all liability if you destroy the fabric of time and space. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Dogs or cats, horse or emu. A man in South Carolina jumped on the back of a 10-foot alligator to save his girlfriend's dog as it was being dragged into a lake. Brent Carey was taking a walk with his girlfriend and her dog Chance when an alligator jumped out of the water and started to drag Chance into the lake. Carey jumped on the back of the alligator and frantically wrestled Chance out of his deadly jaws. Finally, the gator gave up the little dog who ran safely to shore. Jessica Turner, Chance's owner, said she can't close her eyes without seeing little Chance's head in the gator's mouth. The Department of Natural Resources sternly informed Carrie that he or anyone else should never jump on the back of a 10-foot alligator. Uh, just in case you were thinking of doing it. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets, both dead and alive. <laughs> right now we are with Bart Jansen. He, uh, he's an artist. He's created the Copter Company which we'll talk about in just a couple of seconds here. And you may remember in 2012, he took his, his cat, Orville, who was named after Orville Wright, and he turned his cat into a drone after he was accidentally hit by a car, unfortunately. He turned him into a drone. He has uh, little propellers, and he flies around. And since then, he's made more animals that fly around. Tell us what's going on now. What is going on now? Well, um, I've got a cow in the freezer. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, well, not a whole cow. It's 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 neatly folded and it's frozen, stuck in there. And um, but the, the 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 motors powering that project are a little bit too expensive, so we're waiting on the funds. Um, so it's actually uh, stuck there. I cannot. I have to uh, 
uh, unplug the freezer and wait for two days and get it out. Oh. And, and sitting in there. What, what's the plan with the cow? Well, we've done a couple of copters and, and, and jets and, 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 and things like that with, with other animals. I can tell you about that later. But the thing is that what we wanted to do from the start, as soon as we finished Orville Copter, we looked, Arjen and I looked at each other and said, we're going to make a helicopter for ourselves. We're just going to make a real helicopter, a man transport vehicle wow. flying. Um, so that's what we really wanted. Um, and then we actually thought about, uh, you know, designs, of how to design, like a flying motorcycle. So we went away from the animal copters and we tr- tried a design. And then we thought, no, everybody's doing it. You know, the Germans are doing it. The, the, the Chinese are doing it. The Americans are probably doing it. Let's not uh, do the design thing and get stuck in there and try and make an actual airplane uh, because everybody else can do that better. What we need to do is stay in our marginal space and 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 may, just find an animal that's big enough to fit a person. So, wow. so uh, I, I, I'm assuming that your taxidermy skills have improved over the years. Oh no, they haven't. I even stopped taxidermying them themselves, uh, them myself, because they end up really badly. <laughs> um, so I, when I need something to actually look like it, it, it was before, uh, I have to ask someone else. Yeah. Uh, all, <laughs> so, all very big. Now, do people come to you and ask you to taxidermy and turn their animals into helicopters? Yeah, it happens. Um, it happens. But um, these are quite timely uh, projects and so quite costly as well. People always want to know what what does it cost then, and then we just start start adding adding up. Okay, so much time, uh, all the materials, motors, engines. Uh, what do you want? GPS? Yeah, of course we want GPS. Okay, GPS. Yeah. Uh, things like that, and then it adds up and it adds up, and we we're, we're building that thing in for eight weeks. Yeah. So how much does the average cat cost? The cat drone. <laughs> Well, we don't sell them because everybody always quits after they hear what it costs. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, there's <laughs> the their company is not the best running company in the world, but we have the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, wow. Okay. If people want to learn more, is there a website? Um, well, you can find uh, uh, some information on on my website, uh, TV. So you can have a look there. Um, that, but there are also pro- other projects online. I'm actually going to put the links to that over at our website at animalradio.pet. And uh, the phones are ringing. We have a bank of six phones. They're all ringing right now. I'm actually a little little afraid of picking them up. All right. Bart, thank you so much for joining us. All right. You're welcome. Take care. There you go. In the Netherlands, Bart Jansen. Wow. You know, I'm thinking, is this guy a hopester? Uh, It just seems too bizarre too weird you I know mean, what there are there are pictures and yeah, we're gonna can we post pictures. these pictures over the website yeah. judy yes. i think he's i think he's embracing it and having fun with things there's a picture here of him is that a what is that is that a cow that's an ostrich that's an ostrich okay so he has a flying ostrich which he uh, is actually remote controlling here. Let's put this picture up at the website. He also so. has a shark. Crazy shark, yeah. Yes, and a rat. Huh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to answer the phones, though. So I'm, <laughs> oh, I'll thanks. let you do that, okay? Thanks. Crazy. I think he probably starts drinking after 3 p.m., too, because it's 9 there. 
Well, that was quite a show, wasn't it? If yes, you, it was. If you missed Ooh, any part of it, you can head on over to animalradio.pet and listen again or find transcripts to the show as well. We don't have transcripts. Oh, we don't have transcripts. I'm sorry, I just found this out. If you want a transcript of the show, go ahead, write down everything we say, and send us $5. <laughs> but you can download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry, and uh, listen anytime you want, as well as ask questions about your animals anytime you want. Otherwise, we'll see you back here next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye-bye. This is Animal, Animal. Animal. Radio Network. Network.